This is Chaplain Jake Snodgrass, and this is the Pro Deo Podcast. It's a podcast focused on military congregational renewal and missional community formation. So I say that at the really at the beginning of every single time that we have the podcast, and I want to make sure a couple things are completely and utterly clear. And one of them is, what is a missional community? I talk about this pretty regularly and repeatedly <clears throat> right now. Excuse me, I'm hacking up a lung. The air quality here in Korea is a little rough. So I say this pretty regularly, and we were pre- actually so we're preaching through it right now, even at Agape, as I'm about to leave Korea and to head on into uh, the CGSC land, potentially. <laughs> you know, there's some doubts to what, what all that's happening. Sorry, I don't need to give you personal updates. but So I want to highlight specifically what we're talking about in terms of being the goal of Agape, and then how that's worked out. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who presume what happens here. You know, it's we've experienced some massive amounts of growth in the last couple of years. So maybe there would be the presumption that somehow or another we were um, not a maybe a seeker sensitive style or that we were doing something unique or something really, um, I don't know. There, there, there's, I get a lot of questions in that regard. Um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wearing some cool shoes and I'm on preachers and sneakers or something like that. But that's not... Um, well, I do have pretty sweet shoes, but none of that really is really the key and or not necessarily the goal of what we're doing here. And we talked a lot about cosmetic versus structural revitalization and structural renewal. And so there's a lot of key pieces into all of this, into this process. However, really the fundamental of what we're trying to do is make the gospel clear. So in Colossians chapter two, um, Paul is talking to the church in Colossae, Colossae. And he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. And let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. One of the remarkable things about this text is, one, is that Paul is urging the, the people of, uh, of Colossae to, to pray steadfastly for him and that he is attempting and aiming at having an open door for the gospel and that the gospel would be made clear. So what we're looking for here is we're really looking to generate a missional encounter with our culture, as Leslie Newbigin would say, and then our aim is to make the gospel clear in a way um, that we're not shading truth or we're not adding to truth. Um, and that's two of the bigger temptations as, that go with part of it. We're either adding something to it, and it may not be that we're just adding a step or a rule, but we may be uh, adding some kind of cultural augmentation to over the, as an overlay over the top of it that basically as people, what we're preaching People are looking through it through a lens of, of the culture rather than through the authentic lens of Christ. And so what we want to do is peel that back so that the gospel is made clear in the best way possible. Um, I don't have a great illustration to explain what I mean by that other than we're about to study the book of Matthew. And Matthew starts out the book looking at a genealogy right away. And so what he wants to do is he wants to make, he wants to tell the story of Jesus Christ but right at the outset of the telling of the story of Jesus Christ, he puts a lens on that so that you would see the story through the lens of the Old Testament. 
And he, he does that in such a kind of unique way that I feel like is, is what we want to do and simultaneously um, avoid. We don't want to have it seen through the cultural lenses of the day or the cultural problems or narratives of the day. We want to remove the, that baggage. But we want to see it through, as Matthew would have described it, through the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, through the narrative arc of Scripture, and to really make clear um, the gospel. So we're, we really ask and, and, and really pray for us, we'll pray for you, that we'd be making the gospel clear in this opportunity and have the opportunity to do so. So we feel like then that the opportunity to make the gospel clear and making the gospel clear are often very uniquely tied together. And I want to explain this in kind of a, a fully robust way, but we want to posture our lives in such a way that we are living in community and we are living or imaging, as we would say, God. We want to image God. We are called to be image bearers of God. We are image bearers of God. He created us in his image and then sent us out to be image bearers or to live out that, that calling or that basically the, the mandate, the creation mandate, which we are given. And so that is a little bit of a part of what we're, we're talking about here is that we're created in the image of God, but God exists and we know that he exists fundamentally as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so um, if God exists eternally as Trinity in community, then we are to image God by living in community and on mission, if that makes any sense. So we believe God is a mission, missional God, as Christopher Wright would describe in the book Mission of God, that that mission of God creates the lens and the, the the trajectory of how we are to live. And so we are we are living in his image and we're living on mission and doing kind of simultaneously in that. And so um, for us, we would see that to be as we follow Jesus Christ in that process. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not understood it. So that, in the beginning was the Logos, the Word. And then he says further in 14, we have seen the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, that, that Jesus came and dwelt among men, and we have seen him in the flesh. And then in 18, he talks about how he has made the Father known, that he has exegeted the Father so he has made the Father known. He has given a visible demonstration of the Father by living incarnationally. So that's one, right? We want to live incarnationally. But if we want to live in the image of God, we want to live in community incarnationally. And so as he does, um, he describes it in, in John 20. He says, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So we are to model that, right? And then we are to, he breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. And they're empowered by the Spirit to live in this way. So we're empowered by the Holy Spirit's power to live in community and on mission, modeling the way that Jesus lived in that context. Now, so what does that look like for us as members of a church? The problems immediately arise is that church structure, as it's currently formatted, generally looks like this. You have a service on Sunday morning, and that is your most, that, that's your piece. That's what you do, Right. And I think it's been interesting during the COVID-19, um, kind of the quarantine and the shutdown of, of chapel services and religious services, is that kind of how we would describe, uh, Al, Al Hirsch was, was describing this, and he said, you learn how to play chess by removing the queen. 
really the queen for many of our churches, as he described, has been the Sunday morning service. And so you remove that, and now we're being forced to really live as the church in the kind of the day-to-day rhythms of life. For us, we want to be able to live in these kind of moment-to-moment moments. Sorry, said that a lot. Um, but, But simultaneously recognize that the average individual is not waking up on Sunday morning and thinking to themselves, I should go to church. And here's the key, is that most of our most of how we do church is a very event-driven ministry where we ask people to come to us. And we do this inadvertently. And a lot of times people will say, oh yeah, I'm, amen, we totally agree with you on this. But then I begin to really peel back how they're operating. And it very much is an event-driven type of ministry. And there's not a cohesive plan to bring you from the point of salvation through a discipleship process to function in the body of Christ. And that's how I know it's an event-driven more than just having an event. Okay, so what I mean is this. If your discipleship begins and ends on a, an hour-long period or is tied to a, a, maybe a parachurch organization or a type of event where you bring people in, you train them on something, and then send them away— then you're beginning to live and operate out of a paradigm that is event-driven rather than saying, okay, we're going to equip you to live the Christian life in the context in which you actually live it. Here's what I mean. I love men's ministry. There's a great, it's a great thing to do to actually get men together. It is. It is guys need to get together and be, uh, be able to be vulnerable and talk and do these things. But if we disciple guys just in the context of men's ministry, right, we're not actually discipling them. Because they don't live with men only, right? They live at home. So unless we're discipling them while and we're seeing them in the context in which they live, in their element, in their workplace, at home, then they're not able to make actual applications to how they are to practice the faith. And so we're basically giving them intellectual tools to to smarten them up or maybe to read their Bible or a variety of other things. But unless... We're actually working those things out in the context of where they live, then we're missing kind of a fuller picture of the gospel. And so what we ended up doing is that we create these silos of discipleship all across a man's life or woman or kid, right? So they attend um, some men's Bible study on this night, on Monday night. And on Tuesday night, they go and they they serve at Awanas or something along those lines. And then on Thursday night, they get together with a group and they go and um, serve the meals at a, I'm just thinking best case scenario, right? They serve meals at some homeless shelter with a different group across the street. And then he goes to NAVs on Friday night and then um, Navigators, for those of you may. And then on Sunday, he goes to a church off post where he doesn't even see anybody, right? We've created... Those are, those are a bunch of different places where he may serve and do all the things that we've marked to check the box saying, yes, this guy's really doing great things. But within the context of that life, nobody actually sees all of his life. Nobody knows. So he may be putting on a show. He's, all he has to do is really put on a show and those hour-long snippets so that everybody there basically applauds him. He feels like he gets that need met and he is able to live. And that's why we have so many of these weird um, situations where guys will completely derail and nobody knows, never, everybody's completely and totally surprised by it because nobody's really seen any of his life. We have a guy who shows up at Bible study every single week for a year and nobody knows his marriage is garbage. The reason is, is he hasn't been discipled in the context of where he actually lives and works. So if you're not seeing his family, if you're not seeing him in community, if you're not seeing him at work, then you're not really discipling him. You can call it what you want, but it's not discipleship, right? 
And so what so we want to do is be able simultaneously to do two things at once. We want to disciple people to be apprentices of Jesus Christ while on mission and in community. So community and mission happen concurrently. Discipleship, community, and mission happen concurrently. So as I am living in a community group, I'm being shaped and formed into an apprentice and follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm simultaneously making the gospel clear within my context because maybe for the first time, somebody actually sees a community lived out in front of them and that the gospel, when it's proclaimed, actually has a skeleton by which it hangs. So it actually makes sense within the context. When you say things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself, in a context of a, of a, a one-on-one exchange or a, of a verbal message, it may not make sense until you physically see somebody love their neighbor as themselves. And so when you see that, and it's demonstrated, and it's made clear in the context, um, man, it gives powerful action to what we're talking about. So we want to make the gospel clear. We believe that the way that we make the gospel clear is in community and on mission. And so that means you're taking the gospel out of exclusively an hour-long service on Sunday morning, and you're putting it in the hands of a community who's living in the context of, of housing areas or um, barracks buildings or a variety of other things throughout the week. And you're empowering them by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually go make disciples of where they live. They're inviting people into their homes. They're inviting people into their lives. They're discipling people within the context of that community. And they're living out the gospel each and every day. So maybe you can see, even I don't have to say it, but maybe you can see how this differs from maybe a traditional small group that would normally take place um, in a church culture. This really is about living all of your life into the glory of God as it's described in scripture and not just about getting together for a potluck on Thursday, but it's about living in community regularly and on mission. And that mission then is what would be orienting you around um, a specific group. Here's what I mean. If I start a community group or I start a Bible study, I might start a Bible study and I might say, hey, we're studying the book of Acts or we're studying the art of neighboring. I'm looking at that book right now. Or I'm, I'm, we're studying the John Owens, the death of death and death of Christ. Okay, we're, we're doing a Bible study and you may be going through a book of the Bible or a, uh, or a book that's common to everybody and then you're just studying that book. We're doing it on marriage or we're doing it on this, right? That makes sense? Um, <clears throat> you're orienting it then around the study, okay? So the people, you're, you're having a sign-up. Everybody's saying, oh, yeah, I want to study. I want to do a study on marriage. And so then what brings you together is a study on marriage. That makes sense. If you are doing it, maybe you're doing a community group. Oftentimes we do community groups on demographics. Uh, this is a family or a family community group or a singles group or young soldiers and there's nothing wrong with some of that to actually some of that will actually happen um where you're at or we have that happen inadvertently sometimes where we're at right single soldiers go to people's houses stuff like that um but you're not actually gathering around a mission so we wanted to do is be able to gather around a mission rather than one of the other things because we believe a fundamental characteristic of god is that he is a missional god and in pursuit of his people and so we gather on mission, meaning that we join God in what he's doing with these people in this area. So we believe God is pursuing single moms, or we believe God is 
um, pursuing single soldiers, or we believe God is, which he is, right? And so we're joining God in mission on that task. And then we're being discipled in the process of that by studying the word, being equipped for the work of ministry, and that we are, we're learning these things, right? Um, and so um, that, that is a little bit of a transition for us because it drives us in a certain direction that wouldn't normally posture itself around uh, or wouldn't normally maybe be the DNA of a normal uh, church or organization. But what that does is, is it gives us a drive towards the lost, lets us join in mission of God, and then strategically makes the gospel clearer in the sense of in, in that community on that mission. You're demonstrating who God is by being on mission. You're demonstrating who God is by living in community. You're demonstrating who God is by loving your neighbor well. You're demonstrating who God is by loving them well. You're demonstrating who God is by teaching the Bible and sharing the gospel and loving on your uh, your your own uh, peers and community. That makes any sense whatsoever. So when we do that, man, that is a reposturing of the church. And I believe it's more reproducible. And because it's more reproducible, then... I don't need permissions to do all these other things. It can go to ground. It can expand. It can grow. It can rapidly multiply. Um, it's it can be. I can PCS from one location and go to another. I can start up where I'm at. It doesn't matter what job I'm in as a chaplain. I could be a resource manager. I could be a deputy. I could be a whatever. Um, I can automatically wherever out become and join in and be a part of mission where I'm living. So. For me, that, that shapes the way I live, but we believe that because of its reproducible nature and because of the way it equips the saints for the work of ministry and that it doesn't require uh, buying $60,000 of lights or tech or whatever else, that it really equips the saints for the work of ministry where they live and where they're at. I, I hope that makes total sense in that. Now, how do we do this? How do we live in community? I want to get really specific on the details of this because uh, Colossians... Four, five says this, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Man, this is so, so incredible that we are to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. This is how we are to posture ourselves as a community, that we have mission at the forefront of our mind every day as we're living in community. So this is one of the things that, I feel like is, is so significant. Important is that we're thinking through and we're living in such a way here as making the gospel clear by our everyday rhythms of life. Now, in these everyday rhythms, we believe, like I said, when discipleship happens and mission happens concurrently. So I am being formed while I am making the gospel clear. I'm being formed while making the gospel clear. Matthew, when he says, uh, the message translation talks about Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In the, in the, in the message version, he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, right? That unforced rhythms of grace, that rhythms of grace, that we would live with rhythms of grace in everyday life in order that we might walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of our time. You have very limited time. I have very limited time. Our soldiers have very limited time. But how can we make the best use of our time? How can we make it? And I think, Ben, that is a great question for us to ask, especially when it relates to mission and community. 
because of this. I tell you, a hundred times over, I walk into a chapel and all I see is a hundred different events that are happening that you can be a part of, right? Like, you can go to this thing or that thing or this thing, and it basically it looks like an event calendar at a recreation facility, and that is not the gospel. That's not how we're supposed to be living a mission in the community. And I get the need, and right, and we have, we have, we create mechanisms for our people to join with us and bring people along with them, and that needs to happen. Okay, we we can do that. But the next thing you know, if you're part of every single thing that happens within a chapel community, every day of your week is spent with Christians. You haven't oriented or postured your life to be around non-Christians. And we like it that way sometimes because it's safer and it's easier to deal with. People aren't as hard and and uh, it's easy. But that's not how we're to live the Christian life. That's not how Jesus lived it. He went and lived among the lost, right? He called people to himself. And so when we walk in wisdom towards outsiders, we want to maximize our impact. So we want to, we want to send you out as martyrs by yourself to go out and be slaughtered. We want to partner with you with people, with believers who are going to join you in that mission, therefore living in community, empowered by the Spirit, making the best use of time. I had this stupid illustration. Um, Mythbusters had this thing that it says that they try to figure out a way. It's basically, they were going to drop a 700-pound piano they would drop it from 50 feet, and right before impact, um, they measured that the piano would be traveling at 38 miles per hour, and then would have an impact of 12,000 power, 12,000 pounds. Okay, so 700-pound piano that dropped at 50 feet above the roof. They dropped it through a roof of a house, and then measured mathematically speaking how much impact it would have to see if it would actually flow through the roof. Of course, it just blew right through the roof; it didn't bounce off or anything like that. What you had there in that little in that little thing is that you had speed and impact and math to figure out that 700 pounds going at 38 miles per hour produce boom impact right all of our life if we're maximizing our money time energy and resources in a common direction it maximizes its impact but so often as christians we are our, our impact is so diversified that we have little to no empower or impact anywhere Right, and so you you spend a little money over here, and you give a you give ten bucks to this, ten bucks to that, ten bucks to chapel, ten bucks. I don't know, ten dollars is a good example. You give twenty minutes over here, tell me every time, and and I just want to encourage you to maximize your energies in a common direction for the building up of the church, to be on mission and to be in community, and in order that we might see fruitfulness, and we're not just mobilizing you singularly into one direction, but we're mobilizing a community of people to target one area, right? So if I want to reach the barracks, I can't just do a couple things over there. I have to mobilize people to mass and to impact that, that, that barracks area and to dedicate time, energy, investment into those things. And I, we love to tip our foot, and this is part of the problem. People are always like, well, I want to figure out how to reach single soldiers. Well, we aren't really committed to it. We just want to tip our toe in it all the time and hope that it works out and that somehow or another they'll draw and we'll, we'll begin to kind of attract them. That's not how it's going to work with them. It's not going to, work, it's going to work with this generation. It's not how it's going to work with the lost. You have to full-fledged invest your time, energy, energy and, and money and efforts. And it's going to have to cost you. Cost our Savior Jesus Christ who pursued us and loved us graciously at a great cost to himself. And so we want to walk in with wisdom towards outsiders. We want to think about how we're making the gospel clear. We want to strategically live in such a way 
And then we want to maximize our efforts. And so what is that way? How do we live? I just want to offer you a couple things. Uh, Soma communities saturate. They have these rhythms. And I'll, I'll maybe add to or take away from some of them. One is being story formed. We're being formed in the story. And so we're communicating the story of God. And we're listening to the story of our neighbors. So we're doing two things at once. Listening to each other's stories. Listening to the story of our neighbors. And really studying the story of the Bible and integrating those. And I don't mean integrating those as in like... Um, syncretism I'm talking about that we are we see our story and we begin to understand it and who we are because we begin to understand God's story um, and that we understand our story in light of it because it's the dominant and only st- key story of the world so um, we're story formed we're studying the Bible together we're praying together we're going through the story of God together maybe we're starting an alpha but the, the, our story is being transformed by the story of God. Um, we eat. We invite somebody to eat our house. We're meeting a basic need in their hearts and life. Jesus, it seems, in Luke is either leaving a meal, going to a meal, at a meal, or he's or he's a, he's about to eat. So he's about to eat. He's either eating or he's leaving a meal all the time. Sorry, I missed, made that hard. Um, he's he's constantly eating with sinners. They call him a drunkard and a glutton. Right, because he's eating with people, he's inviting them to the table, and really, he's invited us to the table by his grace. And by his grace, is inviting us to the table. We feast on Jesus Christ, and so we we eat together as a symbol of the invitation that Jesus Christ gave to us. And it's a great place for us to answer and ask questions and spend time with people and build relationships and build community. People want to know how do I start a missional community? Invite people to your home and start eating. That's how you do it. You eat together. And, and if you're not making strategic efforts to eat in rhythm, eat with people, then you need to do so. Um, and it's, it's such an important thing. Host a barbecue in your neighborhood. Just start it off something simple. Saturday nights, we're going to eat together. We're going we're gonna to eat and hang out, and it's going to be great. That's what we need to be doing constantly, inviting our, by inviting our lost neighbors, building those relationships, starting down the process of making the gospel clear. We're going to eat. So story formed, eat, listen. Man, walking in wisdom towards outsiders mean that we listen to them. That we listen. Like we spend so much time talking. There's so much we're not listening to the where the gaps of the gospel are that we might address the gospel clearly in the hearts and lives of our people. That we're not they're not being heard. They're not feel like they're being heard. We're just they're we're answering questions that they're not asking. We need to be listeners. And we fundamentally need to be listeners to God that we need to be praying, that we need to be reading his word, being saturated by his word, and that we need to be transformed by it. And so we need to be listening to God in uh, those rhythms, unforced rhythms of grace, that we need to be sitting at his feet, um, dwelling in his presence, that we'd be listeners to God and listeners to people, that we might walk in wisdom towards them. So story formed, eat, listen, bless we bless really because we've heard them well, right? So we're listening. And right now I'm reading through slides. And it's my way of listening to what's going on in the installation. But we listen and then we hear where the needs are. And we begin to, to posture ourselves to bless that community. Man, have you heard this song, The Blessing? It's been going around. It's been such a powerful tune during this COVID-19 thing. May, may the Lord keep you. May he bless you, make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious to you. And they sing about, may he, we bless that your children and their children and their children and a thousand generations after you. What a, what a powerful word. But we would bless people in our communities, that we would 
bless their families and that we would seek to love them well for Jesus Christ's namesake. We bless. And then, um, so we have story formed. We have eat, um, listen. We have bless, celebrate. We celebrate the great rhythms and the, the, the victories. And we're about to celebrate a bunch of people's graduations in high school. They've had a tough go of it this last few months. And we want to gather around them and celebrate them. Um, celebrate what God has done in their lives. We're going to celebrate the great work that God has done. It's hard to do that sometimes because we're beating yourself, I'm beating myself up constantly about where the church is, where we need to be. But we want to celebrate what God, as a people of God, we have more to celebrate, man, than, than anyone else can even imagine. Even in the midst of hardship, we have much to celebrate because Jesus is good. So we we celebrate because Jesus is good. We join with others in their rhythms of celebration within the community. And sometimes we bring the better wine. So, I mean, I recognize that people aren't going to celebrate um, just how we do it. But when we do it, we, we come and we celebrate and we bring the, the greater wine. Christians are often, I remember Jeff Enderstelt saying this, Christians are often known for not being the funnest people in the world. But, man, we can bring so much to a party as Jesus brought the better wine. We can join in in the celebration and be a blessing to that community and to that neighborhood. So we like to do, you know, your trunk or treats and Easter egg hunts and all those kind of things because it's a, it's a rhythm of grace. It's, it's the ability to celebrate with our community and point to Jesus Christ who, who loves us. And we go bigger than anyone else because of it. That's why. So we celebrate and then recreate. Recreating together is recreating and making things new and going and enjoying God's creation and restoring and, and renewal. And when we, we long to see this kind of renewal happen in our lives. So we're looking for areas of renewal that need to happen on this installation, whether they're the newcomers process or how we integrate people into our community, how we're serving them in that way. But we long for renewal, systems renewal, structure renewal uh, on this installation that we're focused on taking care of people and blessing them, right? So, and we we believe that Jesus Christ will make all things new. And as a body of believers, we want to point people to the, the renewed hope that we have in Jesus Christ, which he will wipe away every tear from every eye. So as a posture of people, man, that's how we are called to live. And that our speech would be gracious and seasoned with salt. It would be life-giving because we'd be speaking the words of truth into the hearts of people in need. We want to bless um, this installation. We want to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And we long to make the gospel clear. And I want to finish with this kind of phrasing. If our goal is to make the gospel clear, I want you to think about that for just a second. Our goal is making the gospel clear. If that's our touchdown, then what else isn't our touchdown? It's not pews in the, people in the pews. It's not, um, though we want people to be here, right? Like we, we see when the numbers grow, we see God working. That's, that's, a, that's something to celebrate, right? Um, it's easy for us, though, to get to thinking that we're doing something powerful just exclusively. And what happens when that becomes your goal, the, the people in the pews, um, what happens is, is you start, shading the gospel or you start selling um, and when you start selling you start making it easier for people to hear 
And we don't need to do that. That's not our aim. Our aim is to make the gospel clear because we recognize that people will, in fact, reject the gospel. But we don't want them to reject something else. We want them to, um, you know, we want it to be in specific with the gospel. If they are going to reject something, that's how it's going to be. And I, I want to make sure I'm clear on that. We don't want people to reject the gospel. But we recognize we don't want them to, uh, we want them to hear the authentic truth of Jesus, right? And I don't want to trim or add to the truth of the gospel. And I'm not going to do it so that I can fill the seats. I'm not going to do it so I can get you to the baptismal. So I hear all the time, like, oh, we baptized so many people or we did this or that, right? And I could do, I could, I could play that game maybe too. I don't know. Um, and we baptized a lot of people, but we grew up, we grew a service 700% we grew, right? We went from like 150 to 1100 or something like that in the last couple of years. We can do that, right? But that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to make the gospel clear, if I can emphasize that enough. And so it keeps you from error in that way. And then it helps keep your eye on the ball. And then actually your structures and your systems in which you are living out in the day-to-day rhythms of everyday life become more rightly oriented and joined with the mission of God rather than counter to the mission of God. And we join with them. So my dad... When I was a kid, he'd we'd wake up in the morning and he he would on Saturdays you know, he'd work all week in the oil field and stuff like that. But on Saturdays and, and on Sundays, um, worked on a family farm kind of thing or a cattle company or whatever. And on Saturday, I wanted to go with him because I love my dad, love to spend time with him. But if I wanted to spend time with my dad, I had to go do what my dad was doing. It wasn't because he was mean. He absolutely invited me along, and he would wait for me and and make sure that I was awake and stuff like that. But I needed to be ready, right? I needed to get my clothes on. I needed to get in the truck, and I needed to go spend time with my dad. If I was going to spend time with my dad, I was going to do what he was doing, which was a joy, right? It was a joy just to be able to hang out, and we would, you know, play catch, and, you know, you know during the week and after. You know, I, I wanted to do what my dad was doing, and I wanted to be like him. <clears throat> Man, I just want to tell you that if we want the, the, the presence of God brings us peace and rest, and it's a unique opportunity for him to invite us onto mission, to spend time with him, to do what he is doing. We live in community and on mission. So this is a podcast primarily about missional community formation and military congregational renewal. And I believe that military congregational renewal starts with missional community formation, that we would equip the saints for the work of ministry, that we'd be equipping people to do the work and that we'd be enabling them. And, and in the process of equipping the saints to the work of ministry, we're inviting them onto the floor of the big game, right? We're not, invi- we're not having them just come sit in the stands and watch us play. This isn't, this isn't one of those deals where we get to uh, write stories about ourselves and all the great work that we're doing. We want to invite them into the game and let them play, pass them the ball, and let them score because they're probably going to be able to do it better than us. And we trust that they're equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> when I was a kid, when I was a senior in high school, I went to the state tournament and made this observation. The people who were the most miserable, state basketball tournament, the big house in Oklahoma, wasn't the, wasn't the, the losing team with the dirty shirts and all the other stuff. It was actually the, the guys on the winning team who had perfectly clean jerseys who, though their team won, didn't feel that they contributed to the to the win. 
It's the guys who lost, man. They laid it on the field. They laid it all on the court, and they could stand there, though dejected and disappointed. And they stand there with a sense of pride, knowing that they gave it all. But I can always look in those guys' eyes, man, with the clean jerseys, and know that deep down it burned them a little bit. I mean, we want to invite people into the game. We want to invite people to go out and play, to go out and lay it all on the line. They may not lead a great revival, but they know at the end of the day that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were to love people well, servant, and if they, they leave this military, they're going to say, yeah, I did it. And they're going to meet God one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want for them. So, man, I, I just encourage um, chaplains, whoever's listening, to gather around the word and to gather in community and on mission. You can find more from us at prodeochapel.com and click on our social media platforms and connect with us there.